नमस्ते जय हिंद वेलकम टू अनदर एडिशन ऑफ ए एन आई पॉडकास्ट विथ स्मिता प्रकाश इफ यूर ऑन सोशल मीडिया लाइक फेसबुक इंस्टाग्राम और यूट्यूब चांसेस आर दैट मोटिवेशनल क्लिप्स मेड बाई न्यू एज गुरूज आर स्वॉम्पिंग योर टाइम लाइन बट मच बिफोर दैट इन द नाइनटीन नाइन्टीज देर वॉज अ दीपक चोपरा देर वॉज अ शिव खेरा एंड बिफोर दैट वी हैड ऑशो रजनीश देर इज ऑल्सो महारिषि महेश योगी सदगुरु श्री श्री रविशंकर एंड अदर्स Today my guest is motivational speaker author educator and business consultant Shiv Khera His book You Can Win has sold millions of copies and is available in some 20 languages So tell me who doesn't want to be a winner Let's speak to the author himself who advises millions of people on how to be a winner Shiv Khera himself Thank you very much Mr Khera for being part of the podcast very happy to have you my team is very excited lots of questions we have for you uh we'd of course want to know what it takes to be a successful uh, motivational speaker you became one in the 90s much before it was fashionable to do so on social media uh but before we begin with all that i want to know about how you got into this in the 90s it wasn't really a career option for many people uh you were an insurance salesman as you told uh many people in some of your programs that you've conducted so let's go back and do a flashback well smitha to begin with let me share with you i don't know anybody who is not motivated mm-hmm. including the lazy bum who doesn't want to do anything is motivated to do nothing right. so somewhere or the other we are all motivated including the people who do right or do wrong or don't do anything so they're mm-hmm. motivated that's one part Number 2 just to share a little bit on the background I come from a business family and uh, we had coal mines in India they got nationalized I didn't create them I inherited them mm-hmm. and after the mines got nationalized we literally came on the street street means street now some people had money that's the 70s for kids who don't know about nationalization and you know how what happened it that's in the 70s right 90 73 73 and uh, that uh, It was just about four weeks after I got married. Coal mines? Yeah, they, okay. they were nationalized, and we came on the street. Some families had money; we did not. My father had died when I had just about finishing college, and we were left with the liabilities and the assets were gone. And I remember a year, year later, my daughter was born, and I sold some of the last piece of my mother's jewelry to get released from the hospital. I did not have ten bucks to buy milk that night. I tried my hands on three businesses with no money, and I failed in all three. Mm-hmm. And finally, November thirteen, nineteen seventy-five, I left India, went to Toronto, and uh, since I'm not that educated, even in school I wasn't the brightest kid. I was the backbencher, troubling the frontbenchers. I used to jump off the walls. I did my schooling from Barakamba Modern School, mm-hmm. right from there. And uh, oh, not in the Dhanbad in uh, Bihar where the coal mine was. No, 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 no. My oh. schooling was in Delhi. Delhi, okay. Col- college was in SRCC, and schooling was in uh, Bond School in Barakamba, and uh, I failed in my tenth. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just to let you know. But uh, interesting. That should make all our viewers know that okay, here's a successful man who's had a kind of a rough schooling years, but still look at him. He's an achiever, sure, for sure. Well, okay. <laughs> thanks Go a ahead. lot. Well, when I went to Canada, I started life with a bucket in my hand, washing cars door to door. Okay. For about a year, year and a half, I was washing cars on the street, 
And then totally by accident, I got into selling life insurance, which in my opinion was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. You know why I say that? Mm -hmm. Because, uh, you see, we teach our kids, our current generation, and I'm guilty myself, we teach our kids only two words, success and win, success and win. We never teach them how to lose and how to fail. Mm-hmm. And failing is a reality. Life always does not go up, 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 up for everybody. It doesn't happen that way. Yeah. But you see, we never teach our kids how to face a failure or a loss in life, how to lose. We only teach them how to win. And then when failure comes which happens to all of us. They don't know how to handle it. Mm. They go into deep depressions, commit suicides, and so on. And that is the sad part. So when I joined Life Insurance, within three months, my manager called me to fire me for non-performance. Now, at that time, I told him, I said, look, I'm not an educated person. I'm a BCom third division, failed in my 10th. That's my academics. And I said, I got a handicap. How do you expect performance out of me? Smita, at that point... I'm talking of 47 years ago. Somebody spoke very harshly to me, and I'm glad he did. Later on, I realized it was not anger, it was concern. And he said to me that day, you shut up and listen to me. He shouted at me. You shut up and listen to me. He said, you don't have a handicap, you have a bad attitude. Mm -hmm. And he said, it is people like you who not only ruin their own lives, but they also ruin their family's life too. And he says, do you know who has a handicap in life? He said, the doctor, engineer, attorney, accountant, they all have handicaps. I said, boy, I never heard that one. How do they have handicaps? He said, go check out all over the world. It is generally true. Exceptions different. They all have chosen the field they're stuck. Uh-huh. They all have chosen the field they're stuck. And he said to me, you haven't chosen your field. Don't you see the world is open to you? I said, Joe, I never thought from that point of view. And he said, now that you're fired, he said, you got all the time to think. He said, leave my office. I left his office 47 years ago that day. And that evening, there was a program in Toronto by Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, the man who wrote the book Power of Positive Thinking. Mm-hmm. I went into that program. Had to be $39, which I didn't have. And uh, there were about 1,000 people mm. And Dr. Peel was 85 years of age. His height was just probably five feet or five one. And with the kind of confidence, self-confidence that he had, he looked at everybody, but that self-confidence had humility. Okay. Because I learned one thing. Confidence that does not have humility is called arrogance. Mm. And uh, he looked at everybody And he said, it appears nobody here has a problem. You people appear so cool and calm. Then he asked, does anybody have a problem? Now, who doesn't have a problem? So everybody raised their hand. Then Dr. Peel said, how many people would like to get rid of their problem? Again, everybody raised their hand. Then Dr. Peel said, while I was coming here, I came across a place where I saw some people lying down, all relaxed, comfortable. They had no problem whatsoever. How many people would like to know where that place is? So again, everybody raised their hand. And Dr. Peel said, two blocks away from here, there is a cemetery. There are people lying there, stretched out, comfortable, totally relaxed. They have no problem whatsoever. 
how many people who like to get rid of the problem nobody raised no. their hand everybody put their hand in the pocket right. and then dr peel said which was very profound he said remember problem is a sign of life hmm. so long as we are alive we shall have problems hmm. the day we don't have problem we'd be dead and when you're running short of problems watch out maybe you got a call coming up and then dr peel that day he gave a prayer which is called the serenity prayer which i'm sure you must have heard before mm-hmm. and uh, in my opinion it is a gist of life and since the past 47 years i have never left my home without this prayer and it goes this way god grant me the serenity to accept the things that i cannot change and courage to change the things that i can and wisdom to know the difference what i can and what i cannot look at this if you analyze this little prayer dissect it god grant me the serenity to accept the things that i cannot change now tell me the question is can we change everything in this world to suit ourselves answer is no can we mold and manipulate things in this world to suit ourselves answer is no there are many many things beyond such as i didn't choose my parents neither did you i didn't decide where i was going to be born neither did you if this is the color of my skin my height there's nothing i can do about it and granted sometimes bad things happen to good people for no fault of their own mm. what wrong did they do and sometimes people are born deformed what wrong did they do who knows see there are things we just cannot change and many times in life we keep fighting the things we just cannot change and we bring stress into our lives and we become paralyzed okay so if i cannot change let me accept it graciously not grudgingly hmm. and if i can change then give me the courage to do it and wisdom to know the difference what i can and what i cannot now see when i wrote my book you can achieve more which is a new one which was launched in yeah. london i took this thought two steps forward and i wrote in my book that life is full of choices and life is full of compromises seems like a contradiction but not really see how is life full of choices see if i ill treat you I have chosen to be ill-treated, haven't I? If I treat you with discourtesy, I have chosen to be treated with discourtesy, haven't I? If I light up a cigarette, I have chosen to invite cancer, haven't I? See, if I drink and drive, I have chosen to invite an accident, haven't I? If I exercise every day, I have chosen to invite good health, haven't I? Hmm. And you see if I eat too much every day I've chosen to be obese haven't I and if I tell lies I have chosen to lose my credibility haven't I see life is full of choices so now important thing is we are all free to the point of choice hmm. but after we make our choices the choice controls the chooser we have no more choice hmm. how is life full of choices right Uh, we we I just covered that and how is life full of compromises as somebody said well in life we cannot choose the cards that are dealt to us hmm. what we can choose how we play the game 
Okay. And that is true. Now, many times, especially the press people ask me that, Mr. Kira, that uh, people who are successful, don't they make mistakes? Hmm. And people who fail in life, don't they do positive things in life? So my answer is that people who succeed, they do make mistakes. But keep in mind, making a mistake once in a while does not bring failure. Repeating the same mistake again and again is what brings failure. Okay. And similarly, doing something positive once in a while does not bring success. Repeating the same positive behavior again and again is what brings success. Now, how, how is, is that different, sir, than, you know, the uh, the two things? One is about the choice and uh, the prayer that you see. Every time I've heard that prayer, I've always wondered uh, what is the difference between that and a fatalistic attitude or a fatalism where you say that bas likha hai, so I can't change. Naseeb mein jo likha hai, wohi milega kyunki I can't change what most things in life. So, you know, you, you grow up listening to these kind of homilies which are told to you when you're young and you want to change and you want to do things and you're told, calm down. You know, you there's no need to rush. It will come to you if it is to come to you. So, there's no need to clamor after success, run after Maybe wealth, maybe prosperity, whatever you want to call it. Wealth was considered a, a, a wrong term or a not so polite term in middle class families, if you know what I mean. So what is the difference between uh, that prayer, what it tells you to do and brings that calm in your life as compared to um, fatalism? This prayer that we talked of right. is not talking of fatalistic attitude at all okay. by any standard. See, it says, if you analyze, if I cannot change, let me accept it graciously, not grudgingly. Example, I can't change my parents. I can't decide where I was born. It's already the past. If the color of my skin, there's nothing I can do. The pandemic came for two and a half years. Everything came to a standstill. There's nothing I can do about it. Right. Okay, so is that fatalistic? No. Now you want to keep fighting and bring stress and fall sick? Up to your choice. Yeah. Keep in mind, and then you see the, the incomplete prayer, if you interpret, that is what says, That's fatalistic attitude. Yeah. Now, but that's not what we're talking about. But we need to be wise enough to understand what I can and what I cannot. And based on that, we take our decisions. It gives you objectivity. How do you decide? How do you make choices? Right. Okay, that is the key. Series of positive choices in life is called success and series of negative choices in life is called failure. I'll share with you an example. After I attended Dr. Peel's program, I went back to my manager and I said, Joe, give me one more shot. Don't fire me. I said, if you fire me today, I don't know where to go. And the only place I know where to go is go back to washing cars. And I said, I don't want to do it anymore. Hmm. I have a little do daughter. I make one commitment. I will not let you down because of my effort. But please withdraw the papers. He looked at me and he says, Shiv, that's not your small one. That's your big one. And he said, I'll let you stay here only if, only if you make a commitment not to me, but to yourself. 
yourself i'll let you stay hmm. smita i made a commitment that day he would do the papers and that year i went ahead sold over a million dollars nice next year 3 million year after 5 million moved oh. on to the us got into three businesses i bought out a company out of california and in 1984 started with the new jersey operation with no clients and i sold my company with close to 500 clients for a decent sum now why do i share my life with you well one very important reason is that i kept failing all my life and kept blaming the whole world for my failure not realizing that i was my own biggest problem see nothing changed outside something changed inside and the direction in my life changed and that is the key and i'm going to come back to this one thing did you thing. have self doubts when you were doing all these things tons tons and tons of self doubt nice to know that shivkera has self doubts you, you know something people look at me today they say you must be the prefect in your class you must be a great <laughs> debater you know i was the backbencher troubling the front benchers <laughs> in in my 8th grade out of 6 or 7 subjects i failed in all except one so my principal called me and said shiv you're paying too much attention on one subject in my 8th grade out of 28 kids i was number 27 because the 28 was absent no kidding <laughs> that's hilarious but interestingly i used to jump off the wall i used to go to president bodyguard to play polo i mean i i i was totally the troublemaker but bottom line came in was this was one lesson a second lesson i learned was when my manager said to me you shut up and listen to me that day i understood one thing that sometimes in life you got to be unkind to be kind hmm. boy how do you like that yeah. sometimes in life you got to be unkind to be kind parenting and you telling an indian mom chittar is what indian moms use yes yes <laughs> you see sadly uh parenting and leadership is not a popularity contest mm. it is not and and the third thing i learned was see smita all our appointments were made one week in advance okay this is the insurance company insurance company okay. but interestingly i address maybe 100 200000 people every year i find that more than 90% people don't have appointments made one week in advance yeah and i say so clearly that uh, if a person wakes up in the morning and you start thinking let me see what i have to do today you are unemployed with a job hmm. you are unemployed with a job and most important thing that i'm coming to is i was on 100% commission i wouldn't get any money If, if I sell. didn't sell, and I had no money anyway, yeah. Now I was on commission, but I saw saw some people in the company, they were getting salaries, but they were not doing the job. That's the time I learned the difference between making money versus earning money. Okay. Making money is criminal. Earning money is spiritual. Mm-hmm. And how do you define earning money? And what is the difference between the two? See when you earn money you put your energy and ethics behind it mm-hmm. two words energy and ethics ethics behind it and that is the crucial part and sadly today most people want to make money where if you want to earn it mm-hmm. and that is the difference khera surname it's a punjabi surname are you a, a partition affected family did your family come from undivided india 
My grandparents did. Mm -hmm. They came from the frontier province. The Miawali, Dera Ismail Khan, Dera Ghazi Khan, they came and they moved to Bihar. My grandfather started life on a bicycle and that's how it is. So yeah, I mean, we come from that side and there are affinities when we meet people from Dera Ismail Khan, Dera Ghazi Khan. It's a nice feeling and they, some of them talk our language too. Mm -hmm. So it's a good feeling. But have you been to Pakistan? No, I have not been there and I have no desire to go there either. I don't feel like going there. Why? You see, I've heard many times people saying they're very hospitable people, one-on-one, -on -one, they really look after you well and so on, the great hosts. But you see, and they also say one more thing. When a cricket team goes, they go to the restaurant, they don't take any money, they go to a shop, they don't take money from them when they buy those clothes and all that stuff. I said... You are so happy and you get gullible. You are so gullible, you get taken in and you like them because they don't take money from you when they go to the restaurant or they, when you take clothes from there. They don't take any and you are happy about it. But damn it, the same guys fire bullets at you. The same people, the 20% of Hindus there, they torture them, they will kill them every day, they convert them every day forcibly. Do I want to go to a country like that? They're fighting every minute. How many Indians have been killed by those people that terrorists and they support it? They do support it. Yeah. So my point is, I have no desire. And I think it is foolish that people say by exchanging cricket teams, you are building cultural relationship. By sending musical teams up and down, you're building culture. Oh, come on. If that was the case, we wouldn't have any partition. What are you talking by singing a few things up and down, you get you patch up these things. That is stupid. This is called gullibility. Mm -hmm. Outright gullibility, pseudo-secularism nonsense. And look at, at partition at a time. There were almost 22% Hindus and Christians there. Today is less than 1% left. What happened? What happened? The country's population is almost 200 million people. And 20% is 40 million. 40 million! And 2% left, 1%. Can you imagine 38 million have disappeared? This is worse than the Holocaust that took place in Germany. 38 million people are dead, converted, killed. Something happened. You want to visit that country? I hate it. And we're not the same people. Because I hate it. Absolutely. It doesn't make any sense. I don't care one-on-one -on -one they feed you all kind of good stuff and you get taken in. Stupidity. So this is one thing. One people That's all. No one is one. No one is one. We are not one. It is total rubbish and nonsense. You see, you can have food together, together and they stab you in the back. It has happened since 1,000 years. It has not changed. What have we learned? That we have learned, not learned anything. It is happening even today. Tell me people sitting here within India, living together, so-called you can live together. Tell me what happened in Kashmir in 91. Half million Hindus were killed. Did they do any wrong? Were they criminals? No, the only fault was they were Hindus. People who they treated as brother, sister, father, mother, brothers, neighbors, they came and killed them. They killed their own teachers. They had no problem. Don't you see that? And you ignore it? In my opinion, it is stupidity. We have not learned anything from our Bhagavad Gita 
or our Ramayana, we have not learned a damn thing. And that's it. That is stupidity. I'm going to go back again. When you were selling insurance, you're still an immigrant. Your accent is different. And you're in the 80s. It's not now. You know, now, I guess Americans are exposed to more. I was in the 70s at that time. This is in the 70s. That was 70s, yeah. Yeah, in the 70s. And it's not as if you were educated in America. How did you... How did you sell? It's it's hard, right, to speak the same language, to have that finesse in knowing uh, the skills. Well, you were not trained for it. Of course not. Yeah. See, the best part is that you find... I'm not the exception, by the way. Mm-hmm. You find most in NRIs overseas are doing well. Right. Most of them. Mm-hmm. And most of them went without anything, pretty much. And uh, when you are at the bottom... You can't go any further down. There's one way up. The only one way is up. Yes, correct. And in those countries, if you yeah. cannot do well, uh-huh. you can't blame the country there. Let me tell you this. Okay. You can't blame the country. And there are also many immigrants, Indians, who went there. They are basically making a living. They are surviving. But very few have really hit it big. But there are enough who have done well. Yeah. So we one has to understand... I'll share with you. You see, I was coming to making money versus earning money. There was a survey done by a Gallup company in U.S. Mm-hmm. which said 63% of people who go to work, they're disengaged. Means they don't do their job. Yeah. An additional 24% are actively disengaged, which means they make sure that others also don't do their job. Mm-hmm. That leaves only 13% of people who go to work actually do work. Only 13% of people who go to work actually do work. Tell me, is this not an integrity issue? It is. Big time. Big time. And that's what we talk in our program, our leadership programs. Wages without work amounts to stealing. And the same study, Gallup, said one more thing. That today with social media, many people who go to work, they spend two to three hours per day in the personal social media. Is that what we're getting paid for? Yeah. See, that's not, but my point is, if somebody stole your wallet, what do you call that person? A thief. And when we do all these things, what are we? Now, somebody asked me, what is the secret to success? I learned one thing. If you look at the life histories of most people who have succeeded in life and then sustained success and maintained goodwill, they have lived by one principle. And that is, I shall always give more than what I get to my family. I shall always give more than what I get to my organization. I shall always give more than what I get to my customer. And I shall always give more than what I get to my country and my society. This is reality. Go check it out. And a very small percentage of people do that. And uh, many times when I address students, colleges, and so on. They tell me, Mr. Kera, there's a lot of competition out there. Once I was addressing a very mixed group. There were doctors, engineers, attorneys, accountants, carpenters, plumbers. That's a mixed group. And as I came in and I said, never in the history of mankind has it been so easy to succeed in life the way it is today. Why? And I repeated myself. So one person asked me why. So I asked this man a question. I'm asking you same question, Smita. 
Tell me, how many people do you know right now walking off the street who are willing to do a little bit more than what they get paid for? How many? No, not many. H- hardly any. Yeah. Most people don't even want to do what they get paid for. True. There's a second big category of people who only want to do what they can get by with. There's a very small fraction of people who are willing to do a little bit more than what they get paid for. So I asked him, if you fall in that category, tell me where's your competition? You can't even find a good accountant today. You can't find a good attorney today. You can't find a good carpenter. You can't find a good plumber. Question is, are you willing to do a little bit more than what you get paid for? Mm-hmm. And you know something today? I was addressing a very large group of HR people. And uh, they said, we've got skill gaps today. I said, no, no, no. You've got competence gaps today. So what's the difference? Skill is an ability. Competence is ability along with the willingness and the desire to do the job. That's called competence. There are many skillful people who are totally incompetent. Yes. Okay. You opened my eyes. Yes, so that's true. We, we need to be very clear. Yeah. It's a competency gap, not a skill gap. Yeah. So how does, how does an HR person turn that skill into competency? How does one, one, that question. The second question is which you, uh, which we're talking about young people always being on their cell phones. You go and address so many young people. You address, you speak and motivate even rich and successful people, right? Um, do they leave their cell phones outside the room when you're speaking to them? Absolutely. Or you do, okay. Absolutely. I. You tell them to do that. Even in my office, in my conference room, okay. there's a sign outside, nobody brings their mobile in my conference room, including me. Mm-hmm. My mobile is out too. See, I had a member of parliament come into my office the other day. He said, can I bring my mobile? I said, no, sir, you can't. Please leave your mobile outside. Good for you. Look, and my mobile is outside too. You come into my office, if I keep fiddling with my mobile or keeps ringing, tell me, would it be courteous to you? Yeah. Will it be courteous to you? But it's not just courtesy, courtesy, right? One is courtesy. Of course it is courtesy. Okay. Courtesy is big time. Yeah. And two, am I also not wasting your time? That's right, yeah. Okay. So I will not waste your time, but I will not let you waste my time either. Right. I will not let you waste my time either. So your phone is out. Yeah. Even in my program, I mean, the fees per seat is two lakhs in our program, our leadership program. Yeah. And people pay. We're packed up. Yeah. And we request people to kindly switch off their mobiles and or leave it outside. Then there are once in a while people who play games. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they try to get their phones like this and fiddle around a little bit. After a repeated request, if they don't understand English language properly, politely, we say, take your check and leave now. Yeah. You can take your check, you can leave. Do you think it's it's really a big issue now, the lack of concentration, uh, lack of ability to to give a person their full attention? Is this a problem that you're seeing uh, in just in the youth or do you see it across Smita, the board? Smita, the problem is not the... A time factor or what did you, did you mention just now? Age or? It is a totally 5,000% discourteous, ill-mannered behavior. Uh-uh. Non-caring attitude. I will do my stuff. I am selfish and that's about it. Sorry, not accepted in my office. Yeah. So 
It is not because of time or this or that. None of this. It is ill-mannered, discourteous behavior, period. And that's about it. Hmm. Nothing else. I'll share with you, Aditya Birla Group is a client of ours. Mm -hmm. I did a program. Another great company. See, I came to know that uh, Kumar Manglam's mother, Rajshri, and every evening, 8 o'clock, all the whole family eats dinner together. All the phones are deposited with the mother. 9.30, she gives the phone back. One and a half hour, everybody, while they're having dinner, no phones there. This is happening right now. Currently, I heard this. Okay. So what does it tell you? It is the upbringing. Mm -hmm. It is how you do it. I had I just addressed a Rotary Club and the president was there. And he had two boys. He said, look, we have the same thing in our home. Dinner time is dinner time. There is nobody. And one of his boys uh, was just, he disobeyed and disregarded the whole thing. And he continued. Dad smashed the phone. Hmm. Dad smashed the phone. And that's okay. Maybe he'll pay for the next one himself. <laughs> but that's not the point. Yeah. But look, a child ought to understand there should be a healthy respect fear. Healthy respect fear. Yeah. I repeat the word respect fear. You see, in the whole family... Somebody has to know who's calling the shots. A headless organization anywhere in the world doesn't work. Show me one organization, including yours. Headless organization never works. You have to have a head. But does that work in America? Sir? Of course. Really? And, and, and if it does not, the you and me and me and me and me, no wonder they have divorces. Look at the worst. 70%, 80% divorce rates. Because you see, you and me, you see, too, nowadays, many people are talking language to each his own. To each his own. I don't know what the bloody hell it means, to each his own. You see, unless we understand, we have to come back to the word, we part. And subjectivity of values, your values are different, my values are different. So you do what you want, and I do what I want. No, 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 it doesn't make sense. There is something called universal value and something called eternal value. There is a commonality here. Okay. How can see, it not be? Do you see that commonality? Because you give lectures in so many countries. Do you see a commonality of values when you go to, say, you know, East Asia, when you come to India, when you go to the US, when you are, you know, in all these countries? Is there, is there something common uh, between all of us? Smita, we... I'm doing at least 20-odd countries I've been working now. Yeah. And people ask me, don't you see cultural differences? I find more similarities than differences. What I find culture, cultural mm. is very surface issues. Now, they may not end up as surface issues, but to me, they're very surface issues. Example, the thumbs-up sign in the Western world is sign of encouragement. You are on track. Keep moving. That's one. The thumbs up in the Middle East and other parts of the world, you insulted me. Angutha dikha diya. This is cultural. Yeah. In India, we worship the snake and the rat. That is cultural. In Singapore, China, number four is considered unlucky. That is called cultural. But you know something? Emotional appeals are identical all over the world. They 
when we talk of universal and eternal values, they have not changed. Integrity and cheating is given the same meaning in New York, New Delhi, New Zealand. Absolutely the mm-hmm. same, identical. And you see what, again, it comes back to whenever we talk, I ask this question to my participants in the program. And we say, well, values are subjective. They keep changing from person to person and situation to situation. And people say, yes, 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 that is correct. And I said, well, then you got no values. Hmm. You have no, if your values keep changing from person to person, situation to situation, you got no values. See, once I was doing a similar program in the U.S. and somebody asked me, Mr. Kera, you have very strong likes and dislikes. I said, yes, sir, I do. That's true. And I'm not a neutral kind of a guy on the fence sitter. I have very strong likes and dislikes. So he said, "You, Mr. Kira, you said there are rights and wrongs. I said, yes. But he said, haven't you heard the statement which says nothing is right or wrong, you're thinking? Makes it so. Given by who? Shakespeare. You are contradicting Shakespeare. I said, that's perfectly fine because I disagree with him. And then he said, well, that's not good enough. How do you justify? So he asked me this question. I said, look, if there are no rights and wrongs and everything is subjective, then every criminal in this world should be released. Who said they are wrong? You say they are wrong. They didn't think so. Go keep arguing. If there are no rights and wrongs, then Hitler was totally right. Who says he was wrong? You say he was wrong. He didn't think so. Go keep arguing. Now, my point I'm trying to make is no matter what profession you are in, including the podcast that you're doing right now, whatever you do, tell me, do you have some quality standards and benchmarks? Answer is yes. Yeah. If you didn't, how could you do it? True. Similarly, unless we have universal benchmarks on values and ethics, how can you achieve them? Hmm. You can't. And when we talk of values, we're not talking of yours and my values. We're talking of universal and eternal values. Universal means the cross-country, cross-culture, cross-religion. And, and eternal okay. means... They were here before we came and they will be here after we are gone. And how do you come to universal and eternal values? Let me quickly just share with you one little example. There was an elderly lady with two bags of groceries in her hands waiting for a bus. Right behind her was a big boy also waiting for the bus. The bus came. They both got on the platform. The bus was totally packed. There was only one seat available at the far end. And the lady started getting moving to get that seat. This big boy came from behind, threw his big arm around the lady and took a big step and a big step and took that seat. This lady fell on the floor. Her bags of grocery got scattered and she was lying totally helpless. Now, there were many passengers in the bus. One of them was a sophisticated lady. She started thinking how clumsy of this boy. She's looking at the etiquette manners. There's a lawyer in the bus who thinks there must be a law against this kind of behavior. He's looking at the legality. There's a surgeon in the bus who thinks this lady must have broken three ribs. Mm. He's looking from a surgical perspective. And fourth, there's a psychiatrist who thinks this boy is psychotic, needs mental help. Look at this. Four people thinking four different ways. Manners, legality, surgically, mentally. Not one of them asked this question was this behavior right or wrong? Now, why don't we ask that question? Because when we do, we become judgmental. Now, let me ask you, 
if your values are clear, what's wrong in being judgmental? Now, my question is, two questions to you. One, should this boy have behaved like this with this lady? Answer is? No. No. Should anyone behave like this with anybody? No. <laughs> That's universal. The moment you answer no to the second question, should anyone behave like this with anybody? You said, no, that's universal. You know something, Samita? Clarifying values is not that difficult. Hmm. Are you aware that every doctor, doctor that graduates has to take an oath of Hippocrates? Yes. How old is that oath? 2,000 years. Hmm. Have you read that oath? It is only one and a half paragraph. Yes. That's it? Because it's universal. Okay. Two, Every lawyer has to take an oath of code of conduct. Hmm. Every judge, every IS officer, IPS officer, every hmm. legislator, they all have to take an oath. How long is that oath? Five lines. Yeah. If you look at it carefully, do you need any more values than that one? You know something? Clarifying values is not tough. We choose not to clarify because we don't have the guts to face up to them after clarifying. So hmm. we choose to remain confused. So you never have to face. This is called escapist behavior yeah. and lying and cheating to yourself hmm. and nothing else. I'm going to come back to your life. Um, you know, when you decided to become a motivational speaker, when did you decide that? And two, you did that, you know, in the late 70s, I'm guessing, right? When you decided to do this or early 80s, when you decided to write the book, when you decided to speak to people, motivate them. How come? And did people come to you and say, Mere to Guruji hai, main to unse hun. Ya fir, you know, my book tells me to do it if it's Islam, Christianity, Hinduism. Most people in the 70s, 80s, at least in India, didn't know of motivational speakers other than religious heads. I'm guessing there was Asurajneesh maybe or there was Maharishi Mahesh Yogi who was in the US. But other than that, everybody, my parents' generation only went or got their you know, values, if they had questions, was from either a guru or from a book. Uh, what had what happened to you? When did you decide that this is what I want to do? Well, one of the turning points was Dr. Norman Vincent Spiel's program. That right. was one. Hmm. And that was one of the turning points in my life. Because after that, I started, I became an avid reader of books. Mm. Till then, I only read comics. I never read a book in my life. <laughs> I started reading books. And that was one of the turning points. And then, I started meeting people much wiser than me, who at every point in life started showing me some direction. Every milestone showed me the next milestone. And next milestone showed me the next. I couldn't see the end. I could not see the end. Oh, this is where I'm going to be. But you see, I had one goal in my mind that almost 40 years ago, I wrote on a piece of paper that I'm going to write an international bestseller. And today, we've exceeded almost 10 million copies of our books globally for which I've been paid royalty. But the pirated version is half billion. Okay. The, yeah, the numbers are massive. Hmm. And that was the turning point. So I... I owe my gratitude and people ask me, what made you write the book? What do you do this and why do you? So my answer is, somebody showed me direction. Had they not, probably even today I'd be washing cars. And my own life changed. And my personal, professional, social life changed. Mm -hmm. 
that's the time I started thinking to myself that somebody showed me direction. It's my turn to hmm. give back. So I started volunteering my time in the U.S. with the maximum security prisons in the jails in the U.S. Hmm. I started volunteering there. I started teaching them attitude self-esteem programs in the jails. And maximum security prisons are not small-time criminals. They're big time. I started teaching there. And then I saw life change there in the jails. And then I said, let me take it to the corporate world. And that's the time I took it out. And God was kind. And one of my first clients was Lufthansa. How come they didn't tell you, oh, here comes an Indian, you're going to teach us meditation, yoga. That's what the 70s and 80s was about, isn't it? No, 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 not really. Not really. I'll tell you one thing. In the U.S., Indians were always highly respected because most of the Indians were professionals hmm. and doctors, lawyers, uh, or professors. And people at that point, at that uh, position, they are always looked at respectfully as mentors. Hence, it was not considered that, who is this guy? It was okay. not. And that a lot depends on how you go and what you do. Hmm. You see, keep in mind, I was teaching, but keep in mind... If a person is not a good student, you can never be a good teacher. Mm -hmm. I repeat myself, a, only a good student can be a good teacher. Otherwise, you can't be a good teacher. So the moment it comes down to your head that I know it, now I'm going to give it to you. No, no, that's not it. And many times people say, look, I started from nothing. I'm a self-made man. Oh, that's rubbish. There's nobody called self-made man. There's no such thing as somebody made a contribution to my life. That's what took me. My parents did it. My teacher did it. And the people I meant, my mentors did it. They all contributed today where I am. So there is no such thing. I'm a self-made man. Oh, that's rubbish. Somewhere, somebody helped us. Hmm. And that's where we need to understand there ought to be some level of gratitude and putting it back into the system. Would you... Uh tell uh, because now reading is not really something that kids do you said books made a lot of difference what did you read and what do you tell children now children i mean young people you know especially those who are watching the podcast how should they go about picking up books what should they read there was a time i was used to read about 30 40 books a year even today i read now about 10 15 books a year i have hmm. to say i my reading has gone down but in my book, you can achieve more. I've given a survey that, uh, Smita, 85% of millionaires and billionaires in the world are first generation. 85% are first generation. Only 15% coming from inheritance. So they were asked, how did you achieve so much financial success in such a short time? And their answer was, we read books. Warren Buffett also, yeah. How many books? 50 books a year. Mm. 50 books a year means one book a week. Look at this, one book a week. Warren Buffett reads six hours a day. Yeah. Bill Gates, an avid reader. Multi-millionaires and billionaires read one book a week. What does it tell you? And they were also asked, what kind of books do you read? They said, we have no time to waste. We don't read fiction because fiction will remain fiction. They only read self-help books. Why? Because one good idea is worth a million dollars. How many ideas do you need to succeed in life? Only one. 
And what does it tell you? Reading one book a week tells you there is a connection between learning and earning and learning and earning and learning and earning. Learn more, earn more, learn more, earn more. But there are many, many, many people who say, I don't have the time. Yeah. But they're the same people who say, I don't have time. They will sit in front of a TV and watch four hours. Soap operas. Yeah. Dallas Dynasty, Sasbahu, whatever the heck it is, they will watch four hours. And then they complain. And then they also say, I will buy books when I have the money. But you know what? Biggest excuse. Today you can go to any library and get any book in the world for free. But they won't do it. And you know what they say? I'm unlucky. And, and interestingly, sometimes people say, well, I will borrow a book. I'll share a book with somebody. I've learned one thing, that a serious reader never borrows or lend books, never. Many times people tell me, Mr. Kira, I can lend you a book. It's a good one. I said, don't lend it. Either give it to me, gift it to me, sell it to me. Don't lend it to me. Why? I won't give it back to you. Why? Because when I read a book, I always underline, make notes on the side. <laughs> Why? Yes, I do that too. Because I learned one thing, that reading a good book once is not good enough. You revisit it. Yes, ma'am. And and I revisit, I only look at all that stuff at that point of time. There are books I've read six, seven, eight times. Arrow Electronics is a client of ours. Mm -hmm. It's a $26 billion company in the U.S. During the pandemic peak period, they celebrated a bumper quarter of $2 billion in sales. Mm -hmm. And they celebrated with awards function and they invited mm -hmm. me to address. I asked him, I said, people are going under and you are booming right now. How is that? So he said, Mr. Kira, probably you don't recall, 10 years ago, I attended your program, leadership program. And he said, you had a stall at the back. You had a store. You were selling books and tapes. Hmm. He said, I bought your shop. I said, what do you mean you bought my shop? He said, I have about seven, 800 people working for me here. And he said, I bought a, your book and gave it to everybody. And he said, he said, it has become a ritual that everybody reads your book once a year. And he said, I've read your book 20 times. And he said to me, if you ever forget a paragraph from your own book, call me, I'll tell you where, which page it is on. Ah, interesting. I know it. How flattering also. No, but interestingly, he said, when I took as a managing director, we had 2% market share. He said, today we have 20% market share. Amazing. And he said, reading a good book once is not good enough. There are people who say, I've read your book once. I said, you wasted your time and money too. Got nothing out of it. Look, we need to understand what... It's not... Getting awareness is one thing. Yeah. Understanding and absorbing, it, absorbing yeah. and imbibing is another. Sure, sure. Mr. Kira, I'm going to come to uh, one of the things that you've spoken about, which is about uh, religious babas and gurujis and <laughs> religion. And it's there in your in Christianity, in Islam, in all religions um, that religious congregations are held and many people go there, especially people who've you know, had trauma in their life or unable to cope with it. They go there and then they get advice. And you've spoken about it, that it doesn't make you stronger by going there. Um, why are you uh, so against uh, these kind of congregations? Look, uh, I feel very strongly that faith gives strength. We all. And, but... Blind faith 
superstition weakens people hmm. and i feel very strongly that one of the biggest damage done to india has been done by our media any time whether the print media or electronic media to turn the tv on what do you see there is a guruji baba ji swami ji sitting there with saffron or white clothes or whatever and few tilaks here full tilaks there and he says horoscope tell me your date of birth place of birth time of birth this birth that birth is a guruji i don't know and guruji has a laptop and he does tick 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 and he says so mangal mein baith gaya mangal budh mein baith gaya budh brasti mein baith gaya palana baith gaya ah manglik 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 ho gaye manglik ho gaye now the guy is scared how do i get rid of the manglik business here are kele ke sped se shaadi kar lo people ke pair se shaadi kar lo then he says shani chad gaya shani chad gaya shani chad gaya to bole shani ko utarne ka upay kya hai bole kala rumal lo usme kali dal dalo phir kala kajal lagao फिर काले बाल वाला खोजो सात बारी भोपड़ी में घुमाओ काला कुत्ता खोजो काला बर्तन खोजो दिस इज वॉट इज गोइंग ऑन माई क्वेश्चन टू यू एस इफ इट इज सो ईसी टू गेट शनि इन शनि आउट शनि इन शनि आउट वाई डोंट वी सेंड शनि टू पाकिस्तान एंड डिस्ट्रॉय ऑल द टेररिस्ट देर मरवा दो इफ इट इज सो ईजी टू गेट शनि इन शनि आउट वाई डोंट वी सेंड शनि टू लद्दाख चाइना से लड़वा दो my question to you is why does shani permanently stay in india only never goes to australia new zealand never goes to anywhere permanently sitting here smita you brought this point and i'm glad you did why i say this is if you read the life history of swami vivekanand dayanand guru nanak they never believed in all these things and in fact they actually fought against it go check out sikh families they don't tell any horoscope before marriage there is no manglik there is no shubh mahurat for a wedding do you know every sikh wedding is done on a sunday sunday doesn't sit right they do it on a saturday saturday doesn't sit right they do it on a friday my own children they got married on a sunday sikh rites in fact they fought against it and let me share you talked about people how they go in herds to such places there are people who go there baba ji baba ji kya kare baba ji baba ji e baba kehta hai beta preet karo preet karo preet karo one baba is selling preet 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 dusra baba kehta hai beta honey karo honey karo honey karo tisra baba honey preet mix karke bech raha hai you see all through the process and i saw one baba he was asking पीपल जलेबी खाई थी कल नहीं खाई थी कल गोलगप्पे खाए थे नहीं खाए थे दिस इज वॉट इज गोइंग ऑन यू टेल मी इज दिस वॉट इज मेकिंग सेंस इट इज वीकनिंग पीपल आई सो वन मैन वेरिंग रिंग्स इन ऑल टेन फिंगर्स हियर आई सेट टेन नीचे भी पहना है क्या वॉट इज इट आई विल शेयर विद यू ओनली इन इंडिया नो 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 लुक सुपरस्टिशन इज ऑल ओवर द वर्ल्ड बट लेट मी कम बैक टू इंडिया एज फार एज आई एम कंसर्न I care about my country right. India. Okay. I don't give a damn what they do. Okay. Let me get my own house in order. Hmm. Important thing is that there was an article in India today. India today it was January issue of uh, 2018. Mhm. Astrology and superstition. He said because of superstition natural childbirth 
in many parts of India has gone down by 80%. 80%. And especially they quoted South India, Bangalore, Hyderabad, Madras, you can check it, Google it now. 80% of childbirth there is done through C-section operation. Why? Rahukal mein nahi hona Yeah. Somebody, astrologer said, this is a good time to pull out the kid. You tell me one thing. What is going on? Now, let me come back to two further things to you. Look, we need to accept responsibility. Life always does not go up, up. It comes down too. And when it comes down, people who accept responsibility, hmm. they analyze the situation and they ask themselves a question. If a similar situation came again, will I behave the same way? If the answer is yes, you haven't learned anything. If the answer is no, they analyze and say, all right, this is what I will do different. Hmm. But people who are not going to learn anything, who are not willing to accept responsibility, you know what they say? My stars are not favoring me. And that's about it. They will never analyze and accept responsibility. They will always blame the stars. Hmm. I'll share with you one example. Once I was going to the airport and the driver hit the brake so hard, the car came to a screeching halt. So I asked him what happened. He said, Sir, problem <laughs> Then I asked him this one question. I said, supposing, man, lijiye, aap pandra gaj pehle hote aur billi nikal chuki hoti. Aur, aap ne agar billi ko na dekha hota, in that case, aap ki gaadi pehli hoti, in that case, phir kya hota? So, look at this. He talked as if he had, he was an authority on billi. <laughs> he said, saab, in that case, billi ki power kam ho jati hai. Achha. Okay. Look at this. Hmm. You know, educated people, MBA, PhDs are doing such things They would do exactly. That's what I was coming to. That even, I mean, people that you think won't believe in that would believe in it. So when you go to these religious congregations, any religious congregation, if he tells you, you know, give this to Kala Kutta or whatever, they do it. And it's not just India. It's in Pakistan. It's in China. It's everywhere that they do it. What are they supposed to do? How do you tell people that, you know, not to believe in this? It's conditioning also, right? Of course it is. Let me come back to you. You see, today I find most temple goers today, they go there more out of fear than out of faith. See, most people go to temples out of fear than out of faith. I feel very strongly that uh, some people ask me what was things that influenced you in life the most. The life history of 10 Sikh Gurus, hmm. they influenced me a lot. Because I, what I like about them is they had clarity. Two, they stood for integrity. Three, they never shied away from picking the weapon to fight for it. They never shied away to fight for it with weapon. Okay? 
with the result, I look at uh, what is a Sikhi. In fact, during this pandemic, what came out so strong all over the world, one community which has been honored all over the world for the humanitarian service was a Sikh community. Why? Because a Sikhi stands for caring, sharing, daring. Three words. They care, they share, sharing, and they are daring, they have the guts and courage to fight, which is important because Sikhi stands on three pillars. One, Nam Jap, one Chak, Kiratkar. Nam Jap is formless God, there's one God. One Chak is a concept of Langar, goes back 550 years now, from Guru Nanak's time. And Kiratkar, Kiratkar is dignity of work and dignity of labor. No work is small. If you make an honorable living, no work is small. No work. Smita, asked, let me ask you, have you ever seen a Sikh beggar in this world? None. There is not even one. You know why you don't see it? Because there is none. They, they will be without hands or without feet, but they will still not beg. They'll clean your bathroom, they'll clean your toilet, they'll clean your shoes, but they won't beg. This is not ego. This is humility. No work is small. This is dignity of labor. And one more thing is, I'll share with you, I believe it happened in Canada. I'm not sure exactly where. A man was caught stealing bread from a bakery. He was brought to the judge. And the judge said, did you steal? He said, yes, I did. Why did you steal? He said, well, my family was hungry and I couldn't tolerate that. So the judge said, well, you have committed a crime, so you have to be punished. So $10, but the man didn't have $10 anyway. So the judge pulled out $10 from his pocket and put it in the fine. But then he told the man that, look, next time when you are hungry or your children are hungry, don't steal. Go look around for a gurdwara around there. You'll find langar. You'll get food right there. Hmm. How do you like that? Can you imagine what overseas in the Western world a judge is giving to a convict there? Hmm. Go to a langar, don't steal. And also, also, look at the uniting factor. In six, there is no caste. In I wish ideal. in our Indian constitution, instead of our Indian constitution, if we had adopted the Sikh philosophy, I think this country would have been a different country. Well, totally. also, if the Sikhs had also adopted it completely. So there I will, I could uh, argue with you about uh, casteism even among Sikhs. But then let's let's move beyond that. I don't want to get into that. Um, you know, you spoke about uh, the Sikhs uh, uh, picking up the arms if need be to uh, to for a good cause. Right. For protection of uh, somebody who is not, you know, who doesn't have the ability to fight for his rights. It's in the Sikh faith to defend his rights, the subjugated, regardless of which religion the subjugated person might be. Now, I had on the show an author called J. Sai Deepak, who said that Hinduism had it too which is the kshatra spirit, which is that if there is something wrong, it's there in the Gita and it's there in, in, our, in many holy books. But over the years, what happened was that families taught their uh, children that humility, tolerance, acceptance, forgiveness, these are values which should be 
uh, which should be promoted, which should be practiced. And Hindus lost that Kshatra spirit in them. And that is why we got invaded by foreign invaders and we had foreign rulers. So it's necessary to, to rejuvenate that Kshatra spirit within you. Do you think that uh, that is in this day and age where there's so much violence all around, um, sh how does one get that balance with humility, forgiveness, tolerance and the Kshatra spirit? Let me put a counter question to you. Mm -hmm. Is forgiveness always a virtue? Mm, no, need okay. not be. Yeah. It is, in my opinion, in many, many ways it is stupidity, immaturity. See, there are many people who apologize and seek forgiveness. Some people seek forgiveness because they mean it. Some people seek forgiveness to buy time to come and attack you stronger. Mm -hmm. If you go through and you just talked about picking up arms, tell me, did Ram not pick up arms? Did Bhagavad Gita all, the Lord Krishna, did he not tell Arjun to pick up arms? To fight, we very strongly and proudly say, It is a supreme sacrifice we are willing to give. That is the spirit behind it. Hmm. Okay. And which is fine. But a great general once said, I believe it was Eisenhower or somebody who said, You don't get freedom by dying for your country, you get freedom by killing the enemy. Right. You never get freedom. By dying for your nation, you always get freedom by killing the enemy. Yeah. You have to kill. A good soldier is not willing to die only, but he's willing to kill also the enemy. Now, go back and continuing this, Bhagavad Gita. When Karan was struggling with the wheel, at that time, Krishan said to Arjun, fire and kill him. What did Arjun say? He said, it goes against my principle of bravery to fire at an unarmed person. What did Lord Krishna say at that time? You are foolish. He is not unarmed. He is disarmed. He has been disarmed by your strength. He is not unarmed. Mm. Five minutes ago, he was firing at you. You would be dead. Yeah. He is not unarmed. He has been disarmed by your strength. Fire and kill him. There is no compromise, no forgiveness. Kill him. And he killed. Tell me, we've been listening to the Bhagavad Gita's and the Ramayans for ages and ages and ages. What have we learned? We have learned only this, that we have not learned anything. This is what we are talking about. Now, why go that far? You just use the word tolerance. Let me come back. Once I was doing a program and a few thousand people and after I finished, the one person came from the audience and asked me, Mr. Kera, are you a Gandhian? You might have heard this somewhere mm. that my, so been going on the WhatsApp. On the WhatsApp, yes. Okay. Are you a Gandhian? So I learned one thing that before you answer a question, Smita, one, you should clarify the question. And two, sometimes the best answer to a question is a question. So I asked him, sir, can you explain to me who is a Gandhian? What are the principles of being a Gandhian? What are the pillars of being a Gandhian? So the man thought and he said, well, Gandhi stood on three pillars. One, 
with love you can win everybody and two tolerance and three nonviolence three pillars of gandhi then he asked me are you a gandhian so i don't know what came to my mind i said look i've been living in the us for the past 47 years but i am an indian and we respect our epics like the ramayana bhagavad gita guru granth sahib and the bhagavad gita and so on i've not read them but i've heard them look at the life history of 10 sikh gurus hmm. guru gobind singh sahib when the moguls were forcibly converting into islam was he able to win with love answer is no did he say i will tolerate your terrorism he said no did he pull out the weapon and he fought that was violence of course he did hmm. so he was not a gandhian either i said you have read the scriptures show me one place in your scriptures where it says that when the enemy is auctioning the respect and dignity of your women and children where does it say at that time that you should go to the temple and do bhajan kirtan and meditation where does it say at that time that's the time to fight not fighting stupidity and cowardice see there is outright cowardice okay and stupidity and i said be clear i am not a gandhian i am not a gandhian and today when you were talking up sai deepak and he talked that we've lost that spirit that's true okay. we have actually lost that spirit we have become passive and we have become soft targets for anybody anywhere in fact yesterday they invited me to address on the newsx tv regarding openheimer okay on the movie that where on the sex scene he pulled out bhagavad gita and while having sex they are reading the bhagavad gita that's right and they said some people took objection some people so called pseudo secularism who are liberal they said oh, why, why why should you be upset about it you should mm. not it should be taken freedom of speech you should be cool about it yeah. i said oh yeah that's the problem that's the problem you have become passive people you can let anybody can anybody Pick can the they quran. depict with quran and bible there they dare not they dare not he said we should be cool about it i said be cool but don't be cold about it i take objection to it of course but they said well he probably didn't know i said he didn't know but he still messed up when you go to the court and you commit a crime can you plead say i didn't know about it and you'll go free no 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 it doesn't work like that you are still punished so i look we have become soft targets do you think uniform civil code is is something that the country should go for absolutely i mean you tell me in in the mid 50s they changed the hindu marriage code yes well, what was wrong with that I mean and there are many muslim countries who don't even have polygamy and tell me one thing even in pakistan by the way are you aware that there is a minimum marriageable age at 18 in sindh yeah but why not here but here it is puberty yeah a 9 year old girl can get married you tell me one thing even in muslim countries they have a minimum marriageable age at 18 in this country why not polygamy is many muslim countries is not there why is here You see you know something the problem is with the pseudo secular hindus the problem is with them so called liberal mm-hmm. they are willing go for self destruction willing to go for self destruction that is not magnanimity that is not magnanimity that is stupidity i will i quote i disagree with gandhi even he said in fact that was a 
point that came uh, in Ranganathan also mentioned about it. Anand, yes. He, Anand, he quoted that Gandhi said that if Muslims come and kill you, don't fight about it. Don't fight. Why? Yeah. Take it easily, lightly. Yeah. Why? This is stupidity. This is called not magnanimity for self-destruction. This is stupidity. Look, I mean, one has to understand where our epics are teaching something else and they are much bigger and greater than anything else out there. So there is, you call them pseudo-secularists, but the point that many of them make is that uh, if Indians or if Hindus were to become uh, more aggressive, then they will not appreciate the diversity of our country, of the multiplicity of values and uh, traditions and cultures. Do you think that is true? Not true. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you. I'm going by what I've heard Sai Deepak and a few other lawyers talk about it, that Hindu temples, the government controls them, they take revenue from them, they can appoint trustees, whoever they want. Can they do the same thing with the, the masjids and other places? Answer is what? No. No. So, well, is this called secularism? Secular means equality. Two, in Delhi itself, the, the Delhi government is giving a monthly remuneration and retainer to all the Malvis. Why are they not doing it for the, the Bible churches and uh, for the, uh, uh, the temples? Why are they not doing it? Tell me, what is it? What is it? This is outright nothing else but appeasement. You know, you can call it by any name liberalism or broad-mindedness, in my opinion, it is stupidity, it is self-destruction. There are some things in life you cannot reverse in life. Look at even the, the, uh, the self-destruction within the Hindu community done uh, by somewhere in the BJP itself. You, when uh, uh, the election was there in 1999 in Rajasthan, mm -hmm. state election, Bajpai went in and uh, he declared the Jats as uh, backwards. Hmm. He declared Jats as backwards. Why did he do it? How can a Jat be backward? And since then, all over the country there is commotion. Everybody wants to become a backward. Hmm. Now, that was done by Bajpai at his time. Now, he won the election, but the country lost. He won, party won, country lost. lost. Okay. Is this what it is all about? But it's something that no, can't no, no, be divided. No, 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 no. Right in of this course, it is. It is defined. It is easily manageable. It doesn't happen everywhere. We are foolish. We have. There was. I tape. I. I heard one guy. The series of lost opportunities of India. Yeah. Series, series of lost opportunities. Look, nineteen seventy-one war. Yeah. You had one hundred thousand soldiers of the of the Pakistan under you. At we, that point. We gave them up. At, at that time, you could have defined any border you wanted. You could have taken the... In Kashmir. Kashmir. You yeah. can define any border. Everything would be clear. 1971, Bangladesh was created. You, can, you could have defined all borders at that time. Yeah. You created it. But you didn't. You know what people say today? <laughs> Difficult to define borders. You are bloody liars. You had no intention. And today, you are... There's influx of infiltrators, which is a security risk. And today, all in the Northeast that is facing today, all the commotion, by the way, in my opinion, is 99% all the problems that is coming right. Do you know the infiltrators? People are estimating 
टेन करोड़ पीपल हैव वॉक इन द रोहिंग्यास एंड द बांग्लादेश कमिंग हियर टेन करोड़ डिड एनीबडी चेक नो बडी कैन चेक देर आर हंड्रेड एंड थर्टी करोड़ आधार कार्ड्स बट इट इज एस्टिमेटेड दैट इंडिया पॉपुलेशन हंड्रेड एंड फिफ्टी करोड़ हंड्रेड एंड फिफ्टी करोड़ दोज हू डोंट हैव द आधार एंड द इलीगल पीपल एंड हाउ आर दे कमिंग हियर बाई ब्राइबिंग पीपल ऑन द बॉर्डर्स दे ब्राइब टू थाउजेंड बक्स वॉक इन ब्राइब यू सेल योर कंट्री सो ऑल दीज प्रॉब्लम दैट वी आर टॉकिंग ऑफ दे आर सेल्फ मेड क्रिएटेड show me which any other country will allow that they'll shoot at the border stupidity is the word okay so we are a soft nation and what word, do we need to do use the word stupid, stupid. and <laughs> we are unpatriotic okay use the word you see look you can hide behind any words you want okay i mean you tell me does it make sense think about it supposing you were the prime minister would you let go like this look at how many people lost their lives would you let them go they wasted their life for what and today because of that foolish decision we're still paying and every day life are going even today would that be acceptable any sensible person how would you do it why would you do it so the problems of today are because we've been a soft state is that what you're saying if the problems of today are the result of short sighted decisions yesterday hmm. appeasement all through destruction so called pseudo secularism magnanimity leading to self destruction and that is really what you are talking of so when you are talking is how do you diversity and all that stuff respecting right. all that stuff let me share with you one more example of diversity mm-hmm. we talk of unity in diversity unity in diversity correct yeah we grew Many, up with those okay, right okay yeah but yeah. let me share with you one more myth it is not unity in diversity it is diversity in diversity in division in diversity also we need to understand what is uniformity or what makes sense i was in cochin uh, uh, i believe it was cochin it was a exhibition trade show i talked to a man in uh, english so i said well because nobody understands hindi in south india so i asked them I, you don't understand hindi he said no 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 sir mai to rajasthan se hu i understand hindi mere se aap hindi mein baat kijiye to maine kaha theek hai you are the exception of person yeah so i can i talk to you in hindi but then nahi hoga to dusron ke sath to phir yahan par english mein baat karni padegi you know what he said he said sir khali yahi par hi do char log hain yahan par jo english mein baat karte hain he said you get out of cochin people don't even understand english anymore they only understand the local language which is the malayalam 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 language to maine kaha yaar then uh, how do they manage uh, when they leave the country when yeah. they go anywhere he said sir malayalam ka border uh, kerala ka border padta hai tamil nadu se so i said how do they manage in the border then hmm. kehta sir 5 kilometer both sides people can understand their language up and down and they hmm. mix and match they understand rest nobody understands anything so that means a person of national level who speaks hindi as such or english they cannot communicate in malayalam or tamil language hmm. they cannot hmm. so you cannot have a national leader give a speech unless it is interpreted which most of the time it is misinterpreted anyway <laughs> You see translation yeah. it kills your yeah speech. the essence is gone, gone right so you always have to have a local leader there now Correct. that's one part two this is i think is a drawback mm-hmm. 
Number two, the textile association is a client of mine. Many factories from Coimbatore, the textile factories, have closed. They've either gone to Turkey or Vietnam or Bangladesh. For yeah. that matter, they're packed up yeah. and they left. I said, why are you people leaving? He said, sir, you can't find labor to work. Unskilled labor, you can't find to work. In an Unskilled. 1.4 billion yeah, population. Yeah. I said, why is that? He said, because when Jail Lalita was there, Amma had given so many freebies, freebies to them. Pressure cooker Pressure cooker gas You see, people hmm. are not working. Hmm. And he says, so we, are, we don't find even unskilled people to work. So we are closing. So I said, what option do you have? He said, well, we are importing labor from UP and Bihar. But now we are facing another big problem. They can't communicate language. Hmm. Language is a big problem. So he says, now we are creating schools to teach languages to each other. You tell me in a country, you five kilometers up and down, you can't communicate to each other. This is called unity, uni, unity and diversity. Okay. And see, is this called unity? This is destruction. There has to be a common thread amongst all of us to bring together. And sadly today, so-called leaders, politicians today, I hear in Maharashtra, Bengal, the chief ministers there and the other people, they give lectures only in their own language, you know, to prove that I am Bangla. Yeah, that parochialism. Yes. Yeah. Total regionalism out Regional. there. Hmm. And not only that, I've also seen these people saying, you see, Jai Bharat, Jai Hind, and then Jai Maharashtra, and Jai Bombay, and Jai Kulaba. Oh, oh Juhu. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this I'm not heard. No, no, but you tell me one thing. But what is what does it come to? Jai Maharashtra, Jai Bombay. What? My Jai Vasant Vihar Bolu. What have we come down to? Yeah. Think about it. Hmm. You know something, Smita, you laughed. Yeah. But it's but, true. no, no. But you laughed. I could see the pain in your laughter. Yeah. It was not, you are not, I'm not making fun, neither are you making fun. Yeah. So there was pain in that laughter. It is sad. Yeah. But that is what it is. And these people think they are so-called regional leaders and that's all they take pride in. So what is identity them. then, sir? Like you are an, N, you've been an NRI. So where does that identity issue come? I am a Kanadi, I am a Maharashtra, I Muslim, I am Hindu, I am Indian, I am Bharati, Indian now and India and Bharat are also different now. So what is that identity thing Dekhi, then? SI, I was invited to uh, do a program in uh, Rachi. Hmm. There were 50,000 people there hmm. in the stadium. Very proudly, it was organized by the Hachi Times or whatever newspaper. Headlines were, Jharkhand ka beta agya, Jharkhand ka beta agya, because I was born in Dhanbad. Hmm. So, very proudly, and I'm grateful to them. The sentiment was positive. So, but... Every time they kept saying Jharkhand ka beta agya, Jharkhand ka beta agya, Jharkhand ka beta agya, it bothered me too. So when I took the mic, I thanked them for the hospitality. But then I said to them that, look, I'm grateful 
your sentiments i value but i think we have to go beyond jharkhand ka beta you see jharkhand dhanbad is my janam bhumi but to me matrabhumi is more important than janam bhumi lovely and i said to them that i was born in dhanbad it was bihar now dhanbad has come into jharkhand so i have become a jharkhandi Hmm. and tomorrow jharkhand breaks into two more then what will i become i said do you have an answer for it i said you know this is the narrow thinking that has destroyed this country made us slaves for 1000 years you see the divide and rule was not brought in by the britishers we were divided they only came and ruled don't you understand hmm. we were divided before they came and that is a sad part you can't just keep blaming outsiders hmm. so i mean we have to come down to reality i'm going to come down to uh, asking you what most people want to know because uh, all of us are i guess in this day and age of information overload we are all seeking calm we are all seeking some kind of sthirta but is that calm good does that calm make one lazy or is is that calm necessary for becoming a winner look uh, smita this is something people say one should not keep chasing and become uh, unrestful and then keep moving around there should be a level of calmness and uh, inner peace inner peace is one should be satisfied and contentment is crucial but the wish must be able to distinguish between being contentment and complacence contentment is good i must be contented at some point and satisfied but am i complacent hmm. if complacence sets in and they are interchangeably used we got a problem that is the time you not only start stagnating but you start falling down that is the difference between complacence and contentment satisfaction is contentment yes you strive for more you must you can't leave your climbing up the ladder ambition you got to keep moving hmm. otherwise you're dying so we cannot be stable at the same level always yes. by default we fall back yeah so that is really the difference between the two so and whenever you move forward there is a level of discomfort anything new anytime they change let me share with you one more thing in fact uh, i wrote an article which i'm sending to new york times for publication it was published by one of the largest uh, hr magazine in singapore see mercedes is a client of ours and one of their senior executive wrote an article that going into the future our competitors will not be automobile manufacturers but they will be the googles and the amazons and uh, i wrote the article that with the speed of change products are getting obsolete the day they're getting launched and knowledge is getting obsolete within 2 to 3 years 
check out engineering graduates. By the time they get to the third and the fourth year, what they learned the first year became obsolete. Yeah. Medical graduates. By the time they get to the fourth and the fifth year, what they learned the first year became obsolete. Hmm. So I saw it's literally become a cliche. The only constant is change. change. Yeah. So I started thinking, if the only constant is change, then either we are in deep trouble or there's a great opportunity for those who are prepared. Now, great opportunity for those who are prepared. Question is, how do you prepare for the unknown? Hmm. How do you prepare? So I wrote an article, is there anything else in this world that is constant? And if there is, why not master the constants? So I wrote in that going to the future, the only people who will succeed in life are those who master three skills. They have never changed. They will never change. They are constant. And what are the three skills? One, people skills. Two, persuasion skills. Three, prioritizing skills. Lovely. Why do I say people skills? Go check out all over the world. We don't have business problems. We have people problems. Hmm. And when we take care of people problems, most of our business problems are automatically resolved. True. Two. Through history. Our parents, their parents, their parents, their parents. We are hired for our skills, but we are fired for our behavior. Hmm. Not only as an employer, employee, but even as a consultant, as a vendor, we are fired for our behavior. Three. You notice the lower a person is in life, 90% of the time goes in technical skills, less than 10% people skills. High you go up, it just reverses. Hmm. See, means technology and technicians you can always buy with money. Sure. But the wealthiest person in the world must build and create relationships. Yeah. And technology and technician will keep changing. Yeah. But this will never change, has never changed. Never changed. But one thing I want to ask you, sir, is that, you know, when we when you were talking about calmness and you said we've got to go on persevering, I'm going to come back to the India part because there are, you know, when uh, when Prime Minister Modi said that we've got to think in terms of becoming a Vishwakuru, uh, there are a number of people who laughed him out and continue to do that, that we have so many domestic issues. We have so much of... So many things that we can't put food on the table for so many people. And there isn't even a table. We have food in the mouths of so many people. We have we have those issues. And then here we are talking in terms of becoming a Vishwaguru. So uh, he became an object of ridicule. Is it wrong for, for India to have that kind of an ambition at this stage in our nation building? Well, I, I personally feel that the... Good that has happened in the last eight, nine years. It's amazing. Look at the Article 370 that has gone and many other things that have come in. But most important thing, is, including the economic development, we had only 70 airports. Now we have 178, 70 airports. And look at, we had only 50,000 kilometers of roads. And today we have four, half million kilometers of roads. So there are many developments that have taken place. Now, important thing is, looking at the globe, we must think globally anyway. At the same time, we must act locally too. Hmm. See, thinking globally, we are living in an interdependent world. Interdependent. There is a lot of interdependence. At the same time, you got to have your independence too. Now, there are many domestic issues, no doubt about that. And uh, 
I admire and agree with many things that have been done by the Modi administration. But there are many things that are disappointing. I disagree with him and mm. should be done right. For instance, example like GST. Mm. I mean, GST becomes due whether you put an invoice or you get money for any first situation, you got to pay. So if you haven't gotten paid, you raised an invoice and you haven't got paid, you got to pay money right now on the money that you have not received. You got to pay tax on the money you have not received. I think there are many other things like this sure. which are hurting. And there are many people who are leaving the country. They're becoming NRIs and so on. I think that's a, there are things that need to be straightened out within sure. the country. And along with it, along with it, I think this kind of thing that is being perpetuated more and more and more, regionalism and division between the caste and the people, I think that is dividing us. Reservation that is based on cost, which is ridiculous in my opinion. I think it should be economics, not on cost. When does it finish? Hmm. At the same time, I think India needs to take some very, very strong steps to send back all the infiltrators here. We, it is a national security issue. It will become a much bigger issue. At some point, if the whole thing goes on the way it is, we will look for another partition during our lifetime. And that will be sad. But we have to be far-sighted enough to understand. So I personally feel there are many issues need to be addressed domestically. And look, after 70 years, our borders are not even demarcated. Yeah. Why not? Are you going to go for another 700 years like this? So there have to be issues that have to be addressed including our own people the poverty is one major thing and uh, healthcare, education, there are so many things that have to be addressed but at the same time today look at the one crore um, toilets being built in the whole country boy that's something, it's a landmark yeah. thing amazing thing that is done do you, uh, do you get asked that when you're in the U.S.? You spend a lot of time in the U.S. That's home too for you. So do you get asked about all those things that roads are being built and toilets are being built? Uh, is India different from the India you knew when you left? Oh, they, they don't need to ask anymore. Now, they're seeing it already. See. You know what? 30% of the employees in the NASA and Microsoft are Indians. Hmm. And, and the, look at the major corporations all over the world. They're being headed by Indians. So they don't need to ask. They're exp look at uh, Banga, who's just become the yeah, World, Bank. World Bank. So they are seeing all this. Hmm. They're seeing it. They're experiencing it. Hmm. So they are seeing the change. Globally, people have done well. And I think that makes all of us proud because they have done it with hard work and integrity. They have not cheated people. They have not made empires by cheating others. I think that is a big pride for us. Finally, my question would be that do you, when you visit India or when you come here for work or home or whatever, do you get a sense of hope every time you come or does is there a sense of frustration? It's a mixed feeling. It's a very mixed feeling. See, when you see so many things negligent out there, the corruption levels, look, the corruption level at the ground at the ground uh, grassroots is still there mm -hmm. see people are still the hawker stalls they still pay haftas and the mainas to the cops and so on that has not changed and that is sad see we have to change our judicial system look at 5 crore cases pending it takes 25 years 
So it is actually a deterrent for an honest person. I mean, these are frustrating things. And by the way, they can be straightened right without any cost. And sadly, I hope this message goes to the PMO. If it does, I'll be happy to share some solutions. In fact, I'm coming up with a 13-point program, how to have a better governance and change India for the better. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Mr. Kera. Thank you so much for speaking with us. And you've given us so much of gyan. I have to unpack all that and listen to this all over again. But it's been an absolute pleasure Thank speaking you. with you. Great Thank you. Me. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for watching or listening to this edition of ANI Podcast with Smita Prakash. Do like or subscribe on whichever channel you have seen this or heard this. Namaste. Jai Hind. Music